we just praise you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you reign over our lives. You reign over this nation. And Lord, we praise you this morning. You're worthy of all praise. You're worthy of all of our love, all of our attention, all of us, of who we are. So Lord, we worship you here this morning. Churches, right now, start praying for people. I know there's people out there and they're going through hard times, going through fear, going through troubles. Just start lifting them up. Just call their names out before heaven. Lord, all over this room, we just pray for people. Because people is what it's all about, Lord. Your souls, the ones you love, the ones you died for. And Lord, those right now that are trapped in fear, those are trapped in worry of the future and what's going to happen. Lord, that right now you just bring peace within their heart to let you know that you have a plan and your plan's going to come to pass. And nothing can stop it. Lord, I just praise you right now that people begin to grab hold of hope and see that you're a good God that you want to be with them, take care of them, lead them and guide them. Lord, I just thank you for those that are sick, those that are sick in their bodies. Right now, just reaching out and touching them. Lord, let them feel your presence and your love to know that you're touching them and healing them and delivering them in their bodies. For I declare healing. As Jesus said, be healed over the people, that it is the will of God for us to be healthy and whole and prosperous. So Lord, I praise you for it. We want your kingdom to come in our lives, your will to be done in our lives. And Lord, we give you praise for it. And Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you so much for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Look at somebody this morning and say, man, we do serve a good God. Come on, look at somebody else and say, man, I'm glad you showed up today. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all back in church. Praise the Lord for that. Now, um... Tomorrow, we're starting our VBS, okay? So we're going to do three days just of VBS, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, it starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's going to go till noon, from 9 till noon. Uh, they're going to be doing something special. So all of you that are bringing your kids, they're going to be dropping. You got drop off and pick up of kids. It's just like H-E-B. Just call in. I need two kids. And we just pick and get them right there. So they're going to do a drop off and pick up to try to... I don't know. Do we'll try to be obedient to do something, okay? You know, so we're trying to be nice. But anyway, so they're going to do that, and the kids just, you know, we're going to do everything as, as safe as possible, do all the washing stations and the this and that's and the others. And so, praise the Lord. We'll deal with it. We'll go on. But anyway, we're going to do that. So uh, y'all be praying for VBS. I just gonna to, We're just going to have to believe that... that for three days, the kids are going to be impacted for the rest of their life. Amen? Amen. I mean, it make, makes a difference. We've got to win this generation coming up. We've got to get their hearts turned. We've got to change things around to generations that love Jesus. Amen? So anyway, be praying for VBS. Uh, if you know somebody that, that you know may need to be contacted, didn't know about it, announce it. Always love it how when we, you know, we put up signs in town and then people come behind us and take them down. Scared to bring kids over here to this place, you know? Glory to God. But we love kids. We're going to teach them about Jesus. And ain't no devil in hell going to stop us. Amen. Amen. But if you do know somebody that's got some kids and, you know, maybe didn't get the notice or got tore down before we got it, they got to see it. Well, then, you know, bless God. Isn't that funny? Just love to tear signs down. If you're out there watching, shame on you. Of course, they probably wouldn't be watching. But anyway, if you know who did it, shame on them. Tell them about it. Anyway, praise God. So uh, let's take up our offering this morning. 
If you need an offer envelope, there, the ushers will get you one, or there should have been one in the bulletins, or if you're out there giving uh, online or whatever, you know, I, I have not really figured out what you do. I'd, I'd say hold your finger over the button. Get the checkbook out, whatever you do, however you're doing. God sees it. God knows your heart. But I want to read a scripture to you this morning. And it's, I'm reading out of Mark chapter 12, verse 41, about the widow's might. It says, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many rich put in. Now, I've always thought that was interesting that Jesus is sitting there watching them give. Right? I mean, he's just sitting there. And that's kind of strange, right? So he's watching them give. And one poor widow came and she threw in two mites. Now, mites was a, a small copper coin. It'd be like a penny to, you, to us. And so the disciples, the, so he called his disciples to himself and he said to them. So he gets a group over there. He's having a group teaching lesson. He calls them, hey, guys, come here. I want to show you something. See that little widow over there, she put in just two pennies. Everybody else is chunking in big dollars. He says, As surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. Now, see, you know, Jesus always said things that confused people because they're like, well, he didn't. She didn't. She put in two pennies and he put in $100. No, Lord, they gave more. But she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're not looking at the big picture. People don't look at the big picture. And so he goes on, he says, for they put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. So Jesus is, is commending this poor widow for putting in two pennies. Now, I've taught you all this over the years. There's another scripture over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. It says, for if they are first willing, if they first have a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. OK, I, I want to tell you a story. I was talking to Brother Ivan yesterday and he was telling me about a pastor up in um, I, I don't remember which where it was Ohio, Illinois, somewhere up in there. But a pastor that he and his wife had just become discouraged and pastoring the church wasn't very big. They were just running about 40 people and, and, and just going on. And, 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 but Ivan's kind of like one of their pastors there and helps them, helps them all the time. And, and they love the orphanage and they always working to give to the orphanage. But they were just frustrated and tired of life. And they, they just were getting disgruntled. And so Ivan told them, he said, look, I just want to tell you something. You either need to quit pastoring or you need to get into it with all your heart because the people can sense that y'all are discouraged. And so... You know, uh, it's just never going to prosper. So you're going to have to do one or the other, either get on board or quit. So they took a trip and spent a couple of weeks up gone and they came back and they were refreshed and renewed and felt good about it. Felt that God that, you know, they were going to do what God had asked them to do and they were going to stay in the town. They were going to be there. And, you know, just struggling as a small church through finances and different things like this and size of the church and all. But so they laid out a five-year plan before the church. So this is what we're going to do. The five, we have a five-year plan. We're going to be doing this and implementing this in the church. We're going to go for our town. We're going to do da 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 I had this five-year plan. In one month, in one month, a large church in town that was of, of a denomination was closing its doors. And they came to him and said, look, we really like y'all and we want to give you our church. And but you need to make us an offer because there's some, some other businesses want to buy it because it was a really high end church. It had all hardwood on the inside. It was all cut stone. It just was an old church. It had a had a pipe organ in it that was worth a million dollars. And so they valued the price of the building at $20 million. They said, but you need to give us an offer because we, we've got to kind of do this legally. So we need to do this right. So give us an offer. And so he says, but make it a really low, 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 low offer. And so he said, okay, we'll give you $5,000 for the bill. I said, okay, it's yours. You got it. And the pastors were just like, what? And so they gave them the building, 5,000 bucks. They got the building. And so... They get in there and get to doing all the paperwork and everything. They're going to, you know, give it all. Up. Say, oh, by the way, you know, we have some money left in our accounts. We're just going to give you all to help you all start. We're going to give you the money in our accounts. And it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
So they ended up with a $20 million uh, building, $150,000 in the bank, all because they just were being obedient to do what God told them to do. That's impressive. Yeah. Amen. No matter how you cut that, that's impressive. So immediately, they, you know, they just got in there, started preaching just whatever. They're just going full, you know, they're already the church is quadrupled in size. You know, they're running 150 people and it's going on up. God's blessing them, blessing them, blessing them. They're just, they're just taking off. You see, God can do miracles when you don't think it's able to do miracles. It does not make any difference what the, the, the world situation is saying. Listen, I want to tell you all something. And, I, and, and as hard as this sometimes is to eat. It's the truth. No matter what happens in the elections, God's going to have his way and God's going to have his way in your life. God is number one. It may be more difficult. We may be more irritated. We may have to make some drastic changes. But I'm telling you what, God's going to be successful. And, and your plan of finances cannot be stopped if you're in a financial plan for God. OK, now, if you're just trying to do it on your own and your own skills and your own ability, well, you know, it's going to be a difficult road because things are changing uh, all the time around us. Amen. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what Jesus is saying about the widow's might. Says so she gave more out of all of her abundance out of those two pennies she gave. So it wasn't the amount. It was the heart. Yeah. It was the heart of what was being done. Right. Keep your heart right with God. and He'll always bless you. Amen. Amen. Put your hand on your offer and let me pray over it. Father, I just declare we're the most prosperous people on the face of the earth. Lord, we give radical giving. We just give crazy giving. We just do crazy things, Lord, for you because, God, you bless us so much. I just declare that in this time, Lord God, we're the most blessed people on the face of the earth. You create ways, avenues, rivers of streams of water to flow into our lives to just continue to bless that, that we can bless the ministry and, and do what, God, you've called us to do. Because we're going to rescue widows. We're going to rescue orphans. We're going to win the, preach the gospel around this world. And nothing's going to stop us. And, Lord, we praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God. And I want to, I want to tell y'all, I don't, I don't tell y'all this, you know, I'm not trying to take a big offering out of desperation or anything like that, man, we're being, we're blessed. We're doing good. But there's people out there giving, uh, that, that are watching the, the broadcast, not even around here. Thank God. Praise God for you. Thank you for being faithful. And we're going home man. we're not stopping at all. We're doing construction in Guatemala. We're still trying to get everything going in Kenya. Biggest problem is that the things we, we can't get things done because government offices aren't open and everybody's shut down because of the coronavirus. And, you know, uh, and that's the issue. It's not the issue of, of willing and ready to do it or the finances to do it. Amen. But that's all going to change. So let me give you a message this morning. Uh, get your Bibles out. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Galatians 4, 1. I want to start here this morning. Some of you may not like this message, but I'm going to tell you at the end of it, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to be able to get over it. Uh, you're going to be able to get healed up. You're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. There may be some bleeding, some bloodletting up front, but you know, you're going to get out of it in the end. Amen. I guarantee you can walk out of here healed today. Not mad, no offenses, full of peace, just, man, you're just ready to skip on down the road. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now I say to you that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from, all, from a slave, though he is the master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. I want you to stop right there for just a second. He's saying here that... You know, with the ruler, with the with the, the the owner of the house, you know, the master, uh, 
has children. He's got stewards over them to help them to do what they're doing. And even though they're going to grow up and they're going to be the rulers and telling the servants what to do at this certain time, at this certain point of their life, it's like they're slaves or like they're, you know, they're having to be taught by the by the stewards over them. But yet they're really in authority wise going to be the masters, going to be the heads. Right. But he says here, even so, when we were children, we were under the bondage, under the elements of the world. I can tell you that in the, in the 30 years of pastoring, the 30 years of ministering and preaching, I have never seen times as we are in today, all right? That doesn't mean that times, this is the worst of times, because there's, there's been other times in history that it's been really bad. I think a lot of us are spoiled, and I'll be honest with you, I am, I know I am. I like it my way, and that's the way I want to do it, and I don't like being convenient, and so I'm pretty spoiled. And we're, but we as Americans are pretty spoiled, and so therefore we get inconvenienced and our, our cages rattle a little bit. You know, of course, all of us, we're all ready to go to, go to war. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're all just like, man, raise the flag, come and take it. You know, I mean, we're just like, oh, that's that, you know. But the truth of the matter is, the world system, okay, I'm talking about this world system, the way this world system works, okay. It's easy to get in bondage to it because you got to understand something. The world system is run by the devil. All right? The world system. I'm not calling out political parties. I'm not calling all that. I'm just saying the world system, the system of dog eat dog, of work and get money while somebody else is trying to take it from you. Right? Do y'all realize that this is going to be 400 years from when the pilgrims landed? Okay, this year is 400 years America pilgrims landed, right? 1620. So just think about what the pilgrims looked like in 1620 when they stepped off the boat and their little wooden shoes with bows on them and their hats and their little whatever, you know? I mean, we don't look like that today, right? There was, there was, yeah. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't land up there and, you know, the high rises were there and all. America's come a lot in 400 years, all right? And we've changed a lot in 400 years. But in that change, the elements of the world have always been working, which is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There's always been people trying to get in power. There's always been people trying to take somebody else's money. There's always people trying to get something for nothing. That's the elements of the world. And and Paul here is talking to the church at Galatians. Be careful because you don't fall under the elements of the world. Well, another element of the world is worry, is fear. All right. I don't like the way things are going. I don't like the way things look, but I'm not going to get in the fear of the future that my God cannot deliver me. I'm not going to get in the fear of the future and sit around and and chew my fingernails and pull my hair and say, oh, my God, what happens if this happens? And if that happens, because you go to doing that, you're taking God out of the picture. You're falling under the elements of this world, the bondage of this world, the bondage of living in fear, the bondage of living in worry. And folks, God didn't create you like that. God created you to live in faith. God created you to be a man of faith, a woman of faith that walks around knowing what God's promises are in your life. And that's what you're living for. But if you try to do it under the elements of the world, you're going to always be in bondage. Last week I was talking about having, uh, you know, victim mentality. And living under victim mentality, that's what happens to you under the bondage of the world. Now listen to what Paul says. Some of the greatest words written right here. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. So Paul says it's through salvation, through accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You got delivered. It, 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 you came out of that bondage to walk as a son of God so that your heart could cry out and connect to heaven and say, wait a minute, God's for me. Hello? You didn't have to live under the bondage that this world system was going to take advantage of you. Hello? Okay. So go to Matthew 7, 13. Another scripture you know, but I got to lay a little groundwork here before I get into the good stuff. Matthew 7, 13. 
Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So there's a big, wide, you know, four-lane highway headed to hell or into bondage of this world or into the elements of this world. Let me just, let me just give you an example, and, I, and you, you know, don't look at the floor because I know I hit you right between the eyes, but, you know, uh, we all get into it. How many of you have ever worried about something? Something has gotten on you that, oh, gosh, you know, what about this and that or the other? Or you made somebody said something or whatever, and you start to build this thing up, and it starts to get big, and you're warring in your mind, you're fighting, you're wrestling with thoughts in the mind, and then finally the day comes, and you think you're going to, you know, this going to, you've got the, you've already sharpened your sword up, you know, you're already ready for battle, and then you get in there and find that it was nothing, and everything that you fretted and worried about was really nothing. Can I have an amen if that's ever happened to you? Okay. So what you did was you fell under the bondage of the elements of this world because you didn't take your position as a son of God, standing on the promises of God, that God was going to deliver you and everything was going to be okay and take no thought, don't worry, all the promises God gave us. You didn't take hold of those. What you did is you tried to do it under the elements of this world. If they say this, I'm going to do that, and then they do this, and do that, but I'm right, you know, and you've held court, and you've been a judge, and the jury, and the executioner, all that's all set up, and you've all done it in your mind, and you know you're right, and you're just waiting for the fight, and you're going to... <laughs> Hello? And then it was nothing. So what happens is then, you, got, you fell under the elements of this world, and the world's system of operation. Why are people so crazy? Because it's fallen under the elements of the world right now and listening there, there's people feeding people a lie and they're believing it hook, line, and sinker, stirring up the pot. Okay. Ho, oh, this is good. Here. So when you're stirred up like that and you're doing war and your friend calls you and then they jump right in, yeah, you know Trump, then you just get bigger. You just go, yeah. And the next thing you know, y'all are crazy, both of you. Right? Am I preaching good? I'm just preaching the truth here. You know it's true. You do it. But if somebody called you and said, no, 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 you're taking, you're doing that wrong. That's not right. That's not everyone started bringing peace to you. Doesn't the word of God say that? Then I'll say, well, what's happening right now in the elements of the world is there's just lies being sown, thrown around, poked and pushed. Nobody really knows what the truth is in those situations. And they're just poking and pushing this and that and the other and getting it all stirred up. And, and I'll tell you because there's somebody behind this trying to make money. Listen to me, I'll cut it simple, man. I'm telling you the truth. I know this for sure. There's somebody behind the curtain trying to make money. It's all it ever is about. The love of money. Do y'all know that the five wealthiest men in America, since the COVID virus started, each they have gained combined wealth together, $12 billion. They got $12 billion richer in the COVID virus. Huh. I just... Isn't that just amazing? Lucky guys. Some fishy. Okay, so all I'm saying to you is the elements of the world is what I'm trying because I, I can't deal with that because I'm not in that realm. I just have to deal with where I'm at today. You, you see what I'm saying? In my little kingdom. But so in my little kingdom, in the elements of this world, if I operate in them, well, then it stirs me and it's trying to get me like this going. It's trying to get me all stirred up and trying to get me done. Then this fight down that road, you know, whatever. Hello. But if I go down that road, I always find out that it's like this Matthew chapter seven scripture. It's a broad, easy way to do it. I don't know about y'all, but I don't have a, another voice. Well, that's not to say it like that. I have the voice of the Holy Spirit trying to lead me down the narrow path in me all the time. But it seems like I have a herd of old Roberts in me trying to just say, take the easy road, go down the broad path. Let's go to war. Take it, you know, handing me swords and guns and shells and mortars and missiles and launch codes and all kinds of stuff. Hello? They're just standing over there. They're like multiplicity, man. They have just multiplied. Robert's over there. He's everywhere. He just handed me all this stuff trying to get me to go to war because he wants to go down the broad path. But the narrow path is not easy, it says, and it's difficult because you've got to have control of yourself. Okay. I built all that up to get to this point. All right. So in order to accomplish this, 
to walk in victory, to not let the elements of the world get in hold of you, you've got to have three things in your life. You might want to write these down. Three things. First one is you have to have information based on truth. Okay? Uh, Dr. Brown has taught some great messages on Wednesday night about, about health, the four pillars of health. And uh, so, you know, I, some of it I don't like it. I wish this information was wrong. Why couldn't he have come up and taught? You need to eat four Snickers bars a, a day in order to, to, to be healthy. I mean, why couldn't it said ice cream Snickers are the greatest in the world? Why, why, why couldn't that have been the truth? You know, and somebody may find them a some sort of evidence and trying to prove this and try to say that's right and get over them the bandwagon on it. But, you know, the bottom line is there's some things he taught that I didn't like. Yesterday, I was going to go out and do my walking. And so I got my shorts on, got my shoes on, going to go do my walking. And then I looked and I saw some rainstorms coming, you know, like looked like there could be some rain. So I told my wife, I'm going to take a nap before I go to walk. Then maybe by the time I wake up, it's rained, and I'll say, oh, man, it's rained. That's too muddy. I can't walk. Take my shoes off and don't have to do it. And, you know, it just barely even hit the ground. I was like, okay, Lord. So I went out and did my walking, you know. But, I mean, there's a part of me that didn't want to do it, right? But you have to have the first thing, if you're going to have any success, you have to have information that's based upon truth, all right? The second thing is, is that you have to have a passionate desire to do it. If you do not have a passionate desire to do it, I do not have a passionate desire to walk, but I do have a passionate desire to be healthy. I want to irritate the devil as long as I can on the face of this earth. That's my passionate desire. That's how I look at it. And so if I have to extend my life, then I need to be healthy. So I need to eat right, I need to walk, I need to exercise, do everything I possibly can to be as, staying here as long as I can to rescue the last orphan, to, to, to bless the last widow, to preach the gospel one more time, to you know, announce to the world that Jesus will save them one more time. And if I've got to do this, that's my passion, then I have to do it as a part of the repertoire. All right? The third thing is, is that you have to, be con you have to consistently apply it. Okay? You're going to have hit and miss results, all right? You're going to have hit and miss results if you just do it and don't, do it and don't, do it and don't. You need to learn to be consistent no matter where that consistency is, even if it's a little bit of consistency, and then you start to grow and you get more and more and more. But you've got to start somewhere and just be consistent, all right? Okay. So now go to Joshua chapter 1. This is the plan for this week, Joshua chapter 1, but I read Joshua chapter 1 and got this whole message, so, you know, I'm just preaching it. But you still need to go read it all week. Matter of fact, I'd, I'd encourage you to read the first seven chapters of Joshua. But anyway, we're in Joshua 1. I want to just read this to you. I was reading this and, and, and had this message stern in my heart, and it just fits so well. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, through all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This, is, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall, you shall meditate in it day and night, you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? Now, you've got to understand something. You cannot stand here and say, okay, God said that to Joshua, but I mean, how does that affect me? Wait a minute. The principle of what God did with Joshua here. In, in taking in on the promised land and developing the kingdoms of Israel in the land is the same principle God has for you today in your life. 
So you are Joshua that he's speaking to. And the promised land he's taking is your little your kingdom, whatever size it is in whatever it is. You say, well, what's my kingdom? Whatever you have around you, your family, your business, your friends, everything that's around you, what's around you. That's your kingdom. That's your promised land. So he's saying to you, I'm with you. Be courageous. He's giving you these points for you to walk in your kingdom and be successful not to walk in the elements of the bondage of this world, all right? So let me show you a few things. The first thing he did here is he gave Joshua promises. First promise, he says, every place the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you. He gave him promises. In this covenant, talking here he's got, this covenant he's making with Joshua, he's not really making a covenant, but he is in the sense that he's carrying on Moses's. He said, look, I'm telling you, this is the promise. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon is yours. Second one is no man's going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Wow. Third one, he says, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And the fourth one was, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. So God spoke to Joshua saying, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm giving you these four promises are yours. So Listen to this. Isn't that true then that every place Joshua's foot stepped? If he was believing the promise, he'd say, well, it's mine. But did that mean all the Amorites, the Hittites, all the Ite families that were in there, the, the, the giants, all the things that was in the land just fell down before him? He still had to take his foot and put it on the ground. And he still had to do some fighting, right? But folks, I can fight when I know God is with me and I'm going to win. That's like going into the ring and you're, you know, you're in the boxing ring. You're dancing around. The guy's big and whatever. And you, you, you're doing your fighting. You're doing your punching. You're making all your moves. And he hits you a few times. You hit him back. Right there. But inside of you, you know you're going to win. Doesn't make any difference. Somewhere he's going to fall. But what a lot of us want is we don't want to have to get in the ring. We want to sit out in the grandstands and just enjoy the, the cheers of the crowd for us because we don't want to have to get into the ring and fight. The, Jesus never promised us anything was going to be easy in this world. He promised it to be a fight, but even place the sole of our foot tread zone is ours if we're walking in covenant with him. Okay, let me go to this next part. Okay, so but he said something to Joshua. He said, you've got a part to play. All right, you've got a part to play. And he gave him five things that he had to do. The first one was be strong. Don't wimp out. The second one was be, be of good courage. In other words, keep yourself encouraged. Third one was don't depart from the word. The fourth one was to meditate on the promises. And the fifth one was to have some vision. All right. And he says, if you do those five things, then my first four things are going to come to pass, which will result in I will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. OK. Now go to Joshua, chapter six, verse one. Joshua, chapter six. Now, this is where the screws kind of start to get tightened. Like I promise I told you it's going to be good at the end. Just hang on. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now, they go to Jericho, okay? Jericho's the first town that they came up that they're going to have to defeat. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's kings, it's mighty men of valor. What? There was a walled city there. If you go look it up and just study, Jericho is the, is the oldest known walled city. They were always building walls in Jericho. I've read some things, and I, I, you know, like I say, it's out of the Bible, so I don't like to just say it is the truth because it may be wrong. But I've read that there was the, the walls of Jericho were thick enough that they could have chariot races on the walls. They were that thick. And some of the stuff I read yesterday said the reason why they were that thick was because they kept building wall upon wall. Every time that they were having another army come up and they kept adding on to it, this wall became huge, thick, and big because they just kept, you know, put another layer on it, Sam, you know. And so this kept getting bigger and bigger. So he goes up to the biggest walled city around, and God says, see, I've given you the city. That sucker is a big city standing there. It is not given up. Those walls did not fall down at that moment. 
What I'm asking you today is, can you see yourself healthy? Can you see yourself prosperous? Can you see yourself joyful? Can you see yourself successful? Can you see your business prospering? Can you see God's blessing coming upon you? And can you have a vision that this will come to pass? See, Joshua had to have vision because he said, see, I've given you the city. That city was there and it was strong. There was guys on the walls with spears. And I mean, they were ready to go to war. There was no easy. This is not going to be an easy job. Then he tells him how he's going to do it. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, and you shall all uh, around the city once. And you should do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpet and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast of the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. It's one thing to sit here and read this. It's another thing to be standing on the dusty ground before a city when you're Joshua a man of war, and you're gonna, your battle strategy is to get the army out there every day in their ranks, get them all lined up with the priest out there and blowing tooting on a horn. And they're gonna, you're going to walk around the city, march, 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 going to march around the city, march around the city, march around the city, all the way down. Get, okay, back to your tents. Everybody puts their stuff up, goes back over there and said, hey, what would that do? Next day, they all get out there, get in line. Maybe today we're going to attack. No, 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 we're not going to attack. It's the seventh day. The seventh, when the seven trumpets blow the horn, that's the day we're going to attack. We're supposed to shout. So they go march around every day. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? To a man of war, to a person who's, who's understanding battle strategy, walking around, do you know how much opportunity those guys had to get discouraged as they marched around the walls of the city, looking at how big they were, looking at the, they say that Jericho had these big, uh, you know, like, like, what do you call those things? Like turrets, you know, like that were, that were on the walls and then this, that they were, you know, 40 foot high and huge, you know, huge, who's around there. They're, so they're walking around, they're looking at them. Don't you know that the guys on the wall were hollering at them, talking trash? Bunch of chickens marching out there, a bunch of Nancy boys. Yeah, put the priest up front, blow your little trumpets. I mean, they talked trash to them for seven days. And then they're going to go walk around the seventh day. And the battle strategy is when he blows the horn, they're just going to all shout. Well, they had a lot of frustration built up in them from marching around for seven days. Imagine they could have shouted pretty loud. And they're just going to shout. And then the walls are going to just fall down miraculously. So, but they were obedient. The struggle in your life is, folks, the, the, the time, those six days before the promise comes to pass. That's where our struggle is. That's where you have to watch and not get caught under the elements and the bondage of this world and get over to, to, to being a naysayer and not having any vision and losing your courage and all. It's those six days there that your mind is working against you saying, what is God doing? Why are we doing this? this is the dumbest thing in the world. Look, I think I see a crack up there. I think I could get a, a, a rope up there and hook on it. I think we might could get up to that side. Right? And start trying to do it yourself. It's those six days of marching around that make life difficult. If we just walked up to the city of Jericho and said, hey, every place sole of my foot treads is mine. I'm treading around your, your, your city here. It's mine. Open up the doors and give up. And they said, yes, sir. Life would be easy. But that's not what God called us to do. God called us to march. God called us to stand up and be strong and of good courage. Called us in the face of what's going on right now in America to be Christians and to stand up and wave our flag and say, no, we're not going down that road, you bunch of idiots. To be strong and of good courage. Don't sit around and play the what if game and let the elements of this world get in your mind and take everything over. All that's going to do is bring destruction to you. Worry. And fear. Hello? So, they march around the city. Boom. Walls fall down. They take over Jericho. Now, that has got to be pretty cool. Now, they got one notch on their belt, right? They jumped into the city. God had told them what to do. They're supposed to get all the artifacts, everything that was there, put them in, into the, the building of the, the, or the treasury of basically the, the tabernacle and for all that. That's all they had to do. 
But they saw the walls fall down, saw the whole, the largest, most fortified city of the day destroyed by God by marching around and shouting. So that's pretty impressive, right? Ah, but go over to Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. It was short-lived. So now there's another town. It was the next town they were going to go take. But we've got a little problem here. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass against the accursed things for Achan, the son of Kamara, the son of whatever his name is, the son of whoever, the tribe of Judah took the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So this guy went out and didn't do what he's supposed to do. He took some of the accursed things and he hid them, stuck them under his deal because he, listen, he couldn't believe that God could bless him more than what he got his hands on right then. So he, oh man, here's some stuff. I'm, I'm going to prosper right here. I want to hide some of these things. Not thinking that he just cursed the whole nation. So he sent them out, uh, out of Jericho to, now this is funny. I, 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 I preached this story for a long time. I've called this town AI because it is A and it is I, AI, right? Would make sense. But it's really actually either I or AI, okay? So at this point, I don't really care. I'm going to call it AI. And, and they, so they sent them out to go spy out the country. So the men went up to spy it out. And they returned, and Joshua said to them, do not, do not let all the people go up, but just two or 3,000 men go up and attack that little old city. They ain't got much. Don't worry, all the people there, the people are of, of Ai are all, all are few. So about 3,000 men went up there, and Ai, the men of Ai came out and just beat the dog out of them and run them off. That was my paraphrase. Here we go. Then Joshua tore his clothes. He fell on the ground on his face before the, uh, of the Lord until evening in the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their head. And Joshua says, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? In other words, it's all your fault, Lord. Wow. Whoo, he is so lucky that God loved Joshua and did not just smoke that boy right there. Right? No one even thought about it. they could have done something wrong. It's God's fault he's done this. If God was true, he wouldn't have brought us there. Immediately their hearts turn and start blaming God for what he did. And I love this. He goes on, he says, For the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land here, they're going to surround us and they're going to cut off our name from there. Look how he's taking this. Look how he's falling into the elements of the world to the what if game. He's just, man, he built this up. He's done got the Canaanites down on them. They ain't even around. He's already in his mind dreaming up that they're going to come now. They're going to cut them off. And he says, And they're going to cut off your, uh, your, our name from the earth. Then what will you do for the great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. <laughs> Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel sinned, and they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have brought out both stolen and the deceived and have also put among themselves their own stuff. Oof. Don't you know Joshua's just like, uh, really? <laughs> I feel kind of silly now, Lord. Right? I mean, he is just, I love it. God said, get up. It's you. Y'all did it. I didn't do nothing. You did it. Wow. There's a song, an old country song, and the title of the song is Nobody's Fault But Mine. My mama doesn't tell me, my daddy doesn't tell me, but nobody's fault but mine. That's the title of the message, Nobody's Fault But Mine. This is where I said the screws get kind of tight because, see, we want to blame God for everything. We want to blame God. Why hasn't he moved in the nation? Why hasn't he done this? Why hasn't he done that? Oh, God, why have you forsaken us? Has anybody ever stopped and turned and said, could possibly we have done something? Has anybody ever stopped and fell on their face and repented just before God said, Lord, I don't know what I've done, but I must have done something. We want to point the finger and say, God's forsaken us. God's out here. Oh, wait a minute, you know. 
We've only thrown God out of school. We've only taken the Ten Commandments out of school. We've already ripped all God out of everything. We're trying to kill babies left and right. We're doing everything in the world that just was offense to God. But yet we turn around and think that he should be moving and doing, bringing revival. I want to tell you all something. I don't believe God's going to move in the U.S. until the U.S. falls in their face and repents and says it's our fault. That's the truth. We want God to move. And I have felt guilty about praying. And finally, I've just changed my prayers and sort of saying, Lord, just forgive me. I'm a human being on this earth, and I know I've not always done right. Forgive me, Lord. We're the problem, not you. You're never the problem. You're a good God, and you want to bless your people. And they defeated Jericho, and they would have defeated Ai, and they would have defeated everything else in the promised land had they kept their covenant and done what God asked them to do. And he, list, he listed it for him. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't make it difficult. He says, you know, you've got to be able to high jump eight foot. And if you can't high jump eight foot, you ain't going to make it. I've told you all that story. You know, our, the coach, when we were in high school, you know, we always just stayed in the field house and lifted weights. We didn't want to run track and do all that. Man, I don't want to run. And so, so one, the coach, said, a new coach came in and he said, we had to go and do track. You know, and I was like, I don't want to do track. I don't like track. I don't want to run. And so... He said, well, you've got to participate in something. So, of course, everybody ran to the shot putt, and everybody ran to the discus, you know. And, and so I saw the high jump bar over there, and I thought, man, you don't have to run, but just 15 feet if I could just make it over that thing, you know. <laughs> Seemed pretty simple. All right? So y'all can understand how the end of that story went. <laughs> Didn't work too well. I still, and this has nothing to do with the message, but this is a great story. I still can remember the kid that wanted to do the pole vault. Now, I looked at the pole vault, and I said, nah, it's something not right with that. And at the first track meet, he dropped that pole into the dirt. Must have been 15 feet before the box. Skidded that thing all the way down. When it finally caught in the box, his hands just slipped right through that pole. He just fell face first on the deal, and the pole went up and knocked the deal off. Of course, we were all laughing so hard. It was worth it all to see it. <laughs> Obviously, we weren't trained in what we were doing. So the point is, folks, listen to me. You get it back into the elements of this world, the things on you like that, God's got a way of escape. And it's called, seeing that it's nobody's fault but mine, looking at your own self and your own heart and repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And you, it, there's no excuse to say, well, I'm, at least I'm better than them, because that doesn't work. Hello? That doesn't work. What works in life is a true heart repentance. The story goes on. They, the, the, they, they find out who did it. They take care of the situation. The nation repents. They get right, and then they go in, and they take the rest of the promised land. And they have battle after battle, but they have victory after victory. So I'm not saying you're not going to have a battle. But I'm just going to say you're always going to be guaranteed victory. Can you just think of the onset of anything coming into your life? And if you would just at that moment stop and say, wow, I'm just going to meditate on the promises of God because God is for me. He said everything that I walk in is going to prosper. I'm going to have good success. I will not be defeated because God's with me. Do you realize how your whole attitude in life is going to change? I'm telling you, it doesn't make any difference who's going to be president. God's going to win. I think our life will be better one way than the other. But I'm telling you, God's going to win. He's going to have the last word. He's going to have the last say so. Amen? So what I want to just take this and just, just finish up here and just try to say to you is Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, 28, he said, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest in my soul. Jesus makes a way for us. He says, I'm here. I'm here. If you want to come run to me. Ephesians 3.20 says, he's able to do exceedingly abundant beyond you can even think or ask, according to the power that's working on the inside of you. Each and every one of you are well-equipped, well-able to defeat every demonic force in your life if you will just stand up and do it the way God said. Amen? So... Put your Bibles up, and if you would, just stand up, and I want to pray for you.
Now, what I really want to ask you to do is just do not leave church and don't think about this message. Do not just walk out the doors. Do not just shut the program off and say, well, that was a sweet message. Wasn't that good? And just go to eat and lunch and forget about it. Because that's not what I preached for today. It's not what God's saying to us. God's calling out into the United States right now. He's calling out to every one of us, everybody in the world, and saying, look, will you repent and turn to me and let me do it? And you may say, well, I've been serving the Lord all these years. Listen to me, you ain't done it perfect. You ain't done it all perfect. I'm telling you. You have not done it perfect. I have not done it perfect. It's time for us to get a true heartfelt repentance before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm really sorry. Because when he gets right down to it, folks, we've not loved people like we're supposed to have loved people. We've not had grace and mercy on people like we should have. We've taken the Lord's grace and mercy, but we've not always given grace and mercy. Right? It's, it's, y'all know, I don't have to, I don't have to sit here and bring it all out. You know. Because we are who we are. Amen? So I want to pray. And I'm simply going to pray over everyone out there and everyone in here. And, but you need to take this message home, and you need to really chew on it. The plan this week, like I said, is Joshua 1. You ought to read the first seven chapters anyway and just get that whole story down in your life. Look and let the Spirit of God keep revealing to you what's going on. And I believe that you're going to see victory. I believe that you're going to get strong. You're going to get of good courage. You're going to start to have vision for your future. Say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. So let me pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just declare over the people. Lord, we see in your word what you say. We see the promises you give us. You see what's our responsibility of what we're supposed to be doing. And it's nobody's fault but our own if we don't do it, Lord. So today, Lord God, we just repent before we repent, Lord God, for the actions and what we've done and the way we've behaved and the things that we should have, when we should have walked in love and we didn't. And Lord, we just repent before you because we want to be right with you. Because if we're right with you, then the world lines up right. But if we're not right with you, then Jesus, everything's out of, out of control. And so, Lord, we just want to get things right with you today. So, Lord, we repent before you. And we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for our stupidity. Just forgive us, Lord. Let your blood wash over our lives. And wash away our sins so that we can be right with you and we can go on and we can defeat the cities that need to be defeated in our lives, the obstacles, the problems, the concerns, so that we can walk in victory, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for it. Lord, I just pray right now for everyone out there listening, everyone in the audience, anybody that's not right with Jesus, Lord, that right now that they would just give their heart to you. Lord, that right now that they would cry out in their heart and say, Lord, I just want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my life and forgive me, and you would touch them right there because that's the way you are. You said if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and you, Jesus, that we would be saved. And so, Lord, that's where we go to. We turn to you. So, Lord, bless this congregation. I ask you to bless this nation. Bless us all, Lord God, and Holy Spirit, just continue to work with us all week, giving us more and more revelation of what we need to be repenting of and getting right with you. And, Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.